We are a church that meets all over the place, if you don't know that. So I want to say hello to the fellows at RCMU and, and East. And, and if you're watching online, in a warm place. We love you, and we are jealous. Just want to fess up right now. Uh, we are a church that meets all over the place, but, but I need some participation. So, so prepare if you are willing to raise your hand or not. I just need to listen and participate. Uh, if you had the chance to not screw your life up, would you be interested? I know I would raise my hand. Just saying who's listening. Okay, I have some concerns. Uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping you don't want to screw your life up. I'm hoping there's some bit of something in your brain or your heart that would say, you know what, I would like my life to mean something, to actually influence someone, do some good. And if you want to go there, I know a great question to ask. Why am I here? If you begin to ask that question, I think you are closer to not screwing your life up and actually doing what God intended you to do. If you don't ask the question, it's a bit more random and not awesome. And, and maybe you'll find it. But if you're curious as to why you're here, I want to show you something in the Bible that I think is awesome. Share each other's burdens. There you go. You don't need any more sermon. It's good to have you here, right? If you want to know what to do with your life, why are you here? What's the big deal? I think this is helpful. It doesn't have to be as complicated or like what specifically, where. And I'm, no, I, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I think it's things like this that help us get it some direction. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Now, if you're familiar with Jesus Christ, you know that he talked a little bit about the law. And this says the law of Christ. You're on what's the deal with that? Well, it's very simple. If you've ever heard Someone tell you, hey, here's what life's all about. You're supposed to love God with everything you've got and love other people the way you love yourself. That is what the boiled, the law of Christ. So if you want to fulfill what Jesus said to do with life, stuff like this. Share each other's burdens. Whatever you do for a living, whatever you don't do for a living, whatever school you're in, whatever your life looks like, good, bad, horrible, cold, warm, whatever, share each other's burdens. Now, now, here's what I would do. I would take that, I would take that in the Bible. It's very powerful. I would combine it with what Jesus said to do, and let me give you like, some very succinct direction on what to do with your life. Take their burden and make it your burden too. Very simple. Now, let me just stop you for a second, because churches are notorious to do what I'm about to tell you to do, and you should not do what I'm about to tell you to do. Some of us are like, oh, cool. Every burden I ever see, I'm taking it on. Stop it. You can't fix people's lives. You can't do everything. You can't fix everything. But some of us are like, I'm trying very hard. Oftentimes, especially out of a good heart, we'll be like, I see that problem. I'm going to be a part of that. I see that problem. I'm going to be a part of that. And if you've ever been there where you're like, I think I've over committed. This is not saying take every burden. Take their burden. Meaning the burden that hits you in your heart, that you saw that you were aware of, and you're like, I can't leave that alone. I've got to be a part of that. You've experienced this. Let me help you understand this a little bit more. Let's walk this out. I'm hoping you believe in education, or more specifically, that you think reading is important, Math is somewhat important. 
Okay, it's a lot of important. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to infer this one to you that, that an education is of value. And most of us are like, teachers, awesome people. You know, there's a, well, here's the deal. If you ever went to school, you likely had someone construct a school and put that together and hire people and put people around where you went and learned. If you're in the public school system, most of that's pretty much free. And you're like, okay, someone took you or your kids' burden for an education and they took it on themselves. They said, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to do something about that. That doesn't seem to be resonating. Let me talk about something even more important. Barbecue, okay? Just for a second, we've got to talk about barbecue. When Katie and I moved here over 10 years ago, there was a major problem in the Black Hills. Major. There was a lack of quality barbecue. Now, for people who come from Kansas, you need to know this is a big deal. This is like... What's going on here? There's a major problem. And, and different places have tried to start barbecue places, and, and it's worked for a little bit, then not worked for a little bit. It's been a struggle and this and that. But i got to tell you, someone has taken my burden for barbecue. There are now good places, places like JR's Barbecue, that i got to tell you. Now, some of you are like, is he paying? No, he's not paying me. It's just that good. Okay, so you're not barbecue people. Let's talk church, okay? Let's talk church. Let's get back, get back to my notes. Um, I wonder, just by the fact that you're tuning into this, listening to this, a part of this, I think you might be grateful that years ago, I wasn't here. You were likely not here. But years ago, someone said, people need to know who Jesus is and started a church. And many of us are reaping the rewards and the sacrifices that someone put that on their hearts. God put it on their hearts, had a burden, and, and it got put together. Not perfectly, but it got put together. So you and I understand this. When someone sees you having a bad day, and they go up to you and maybe sometimes just say, hey, I see that you're having a rough day. I want you to know I care about you. Maybe they put their arm around you. Maybe they buy you a coffee. Maybe, maybe they take you out to lunch. Maybe they just sit with you. Anytime you've ever experienced that, anytime you've actually had those moments where someone went to you, saw your burden, and took care of your burden, you were like, wow, right? So you and I understand the value of this. When I read you a verse that you and I should share each other's burdens or share you're like, yeah, 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 we need more of this in our world. So you know there's a problem that you and I oftentimes stay uninvolved in the burdens that we know about. I thought I'd give you some reasons. They're not my reasons. I did some studying. These are not my reasons of why we stay uninvolved. Here's one reason. We only help when they are in dire need. I don't know if you've ever considered helping another person. You see someone with a burden, and you, but you wait until maybe the rock bottom moment, the dire need. You're like, I don't know if they really need my help yet. I don't know if they, their problem is bad enough yet, and we wait. I'm just giving you some reasons. I didn't, don't get mad at me, but these are some of the reasons. Here's where this breaks down, just to give you an idea. Do you wait to take care of yourself until you're in dire need? Likely not. Most of us, like, I don't even need this that I'm going to get it. We don't typically wait for ourselves to be in dire need. So do not wait for another person's burden to be so bad before you get involved. Let me show you another one. We don't help if they brought on their own trouble. Sometimes if you're raising a teenager, you're like, yup. 
No, no, but can, can we admit that sometimes we look at someone who's having a problem, a burden, you see the burden, you're aware of the burden, but you're like, but I'm not, I don't even feel bad because you brought it on yourself. Well, here's the problem with this. Let me just, this is, this is again, not mine, but just observation a person made. But we often will go to God and ask God for forgiveness for the messes we create. Do you see how... Do you see how it's almost hypocritical to say, I'm not going to help that person because they created their own problem. Meanwhile, you and I are going, God, would you forgive me for that? See, it's, it's, it's not consistent. Let, let me show you another one. I, we don't help because we can't afford to. Whether you're like, maybe you say, like, hey, I'd, I'd love to do that, but I, don't, I, don't, I can't afford the time to do that. Or maybe it's a money thing. Meanwhile, do you know what Jesus said constantly? Hey, if someone needs your help, don't just help them a little bit. Help them a ton. I'm summarizing, but that's what he said. Sacrifice like crazy. C.S. Lewis even drew attention one time how a Christian should live. A Christian should give so much, they're not quite sure how they're going to make it. That's why Jesus said that you and I daily are supposed to pray, God, would you give me my daily bread? I'm not pushing this on you. I struggle living that way. Let me, those excuses I just gave you. Why you and I oftentimes stay uninvolved. So many of us are going, yeah, see, times have changed, right? The world's just going down the toilet. And, and you wish people would get involved in those. And those, those excuses I just told you, they were written in the 1700s by a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Those problems, those excuses, those reasons for staying uninvolved, 1700s, and we don't seem to have changed much. In fact, I think we've added some. I'm just going to show you one that I think we've added. We don't help because we don't have a good plan. I think we have a tendency to rely on random moments. We're like, hey, David, I agree. Let's carry people's burdens. Let's be a part of helping people. But then we do not create a plan. We rely on random. And I know it's cool. Random acts of kindness are awesome. But, but can I just tell you that some of us are doing some damage by saying, hey, this is neat. I'm just going to randomly do this. I read some research. This will be helpful. Most of us are aware every year there's natural disasters. There's things that happen in our world that literally leave people destitute. And good-hearted people try to uh, randomly help. Um, Here's what uh, this disaster relief expert said. Generally, after disaster, people with loving intentions donate things that cannot be used in a disaster response. And in fact, may actually be harmful. Good-hearted people, good intentions, but because of the randomness, it plays out bad. I'll give you some examples if you're not sure what happens. Um, After one particular storm, people sent tiger costumes. Uh, They sent also pumpkins. I have no idea why. I would love to know why, Pumpkins. Can you imagine packaging the pumpkin up? Like, this is really going to do some. It's a bit random. Um, One particular storm, people sent uh, frostbite cream, relevant to us, but they sent it to Rwanda. (laughs) Random. Uh, One one last one that I think, uh, one time a hurricane hit Honduras. And what would happen is, is people good nature like you and I, we would be like, you know, I want to be a part of this, but it was a bit random. So we would just gather things up in our houses, and, and, we, and we sent it over, and, and I got 
sent on a plane, and the plane landed, and they would take the boxes and the crates and everything off of the plane. And, and after a while, after this particular hurricane um, in Honduras, in the summertime, they were left with boxes after box after box after box on the runway of winter coats. Good-hearted people, right? Good-hearted, come on. I'm not trying to trash them, I've done this. Where we see a burden, but we randomly have waited for that burden to do anything without a good plan, so we just gather stuff up and do it, and we have to admit that sometimes, sometimes, we're doing some harm. In fact, here's my observation just in regular life. Don't ignore the random. I'm not, Pastor David's not telling you, hey, when you see someone in need, Pastor David said, I can't help them, it's too random. Don't, don't, come on. Don't do that. Don't ignore the random. But don't rely on it. And many of us, I have to say, in our lives, do you want to live your life on purpose? You're like, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Many of us are simply relying on it. The random. Do you know God's not random? Do you know that when God created the earth, he was very specific. He put things in place and in motion that created, it was, it's brilliance, it's utter brilliance. When he made you, it was not an accident. Our God, I think, is very calculated. And many of us should begin to adopt the same kind of thinking that maybe I can make a difference in this world. Maybe I can live my purpose out if I would have a bit more of a plan. That is why, church, we have been talking about wells. We've been talking about specifically digging wells. If you've not been around a while, uh, this has been a familiar prop. <laughs> Let me give you details. Jesus was sitting at a well. Well is a uh, necessity of life. Well has water. You and I require water. You're sitting at a well, had a conversation with a woman, and, and he began to articulate, using it as a metaphor, saying, hey, I have a well, a source of water that has eternal life for you. What he was saying was this, is that you and I need Jesus. He was simply saying that when you and I live life, however you live life, that you and I require Jesus. He said in other places, he was the way, the truth, and the life. And what we believe strongly as a church is to, to know Jesus is, is the most critical, crucial part of life. Jesus, I know we've heard this, it seems cliche, Jesus loves you. He really does. And you need Jesus and so what we've known, if, if Jesus uses this metaphor and equates himself to being this well of this incredible water, then you and I need to, well, you and I need to put wells in front of people where, where we, we show people who Jesus is. In short, you and I, we need to dig new wells. You and I, if you want to know how to live life, why am I here, how do I, how do I share other people's burdens, I would tell you, create opportunities for people to know who Jesus is. Dig a well. Some of you are you're, you're already involved in this. You're helping your kids know who Jesus is. Every day you're trying to help your spouse know who Jesus is. At work, you're already applying it. You're digging a well, showing people who Jesus is. But we as a church, we need to have a conversation. This is your first time with us. Let me give a disclaimer. For the past few weeks, I've been telling our whole church that I have some details. Some details about how we as a church are going to uh, dig new wells, create opportunities for people to know who Jesus is. I'm about to share that with you. But I don't want you to think you're here by accident. 
I don't want you to think like, wow, yeah, I, I'm just tuning in online for some random reason or, or someone brought you and you're like, I don't even know if this is for me. Here's what I would tell you. I'm, can I just tell you what I believe? I think you're here on purpose and God intended for you to hear what I'm about to share with you. My question for you is this. Are you going to be open to what God is about to share with us? I hope you will. But let me give you details of how we as a church are going to collectively go after showing people who Jesus is. The first one has to do with downtown Rapid City. What we've learned is this, is the weekend is not sacred anymore for a lot of folks. I'm not, I'm not hating on that, critiquing that. I mean, perhaps you work a, a shift job where you, like, sometimes on the weekends you're working all weekend, and I know some of us, uh, you're like, I don't, I don't like that, or I have a problem with that, but i got to tell you, it's just current reality. So what we're going to do, we're going to put a church service on the weekday, Monday night, downtown. We're going to put, if you don't know what this is, this is our church office. And on Monday nights, there's going to be a church service. This sermon, uh, worship, all that, there will not be a kid's ministry. There is not space in there for that. So it does not apply to everybody. We got that? This is not for everybody. But I am having so many conversations with folks who be like, I would love to go to church, but I have to not be there for the next six months because I'm on the weekend now. And I'm thinking, you and I can say, well, that shouldn't be, or this or that. I mean, some of you grew up in an era where everything was shut down on Sunday. That's not life now. So we can complain about it, or we can meet people where they're at. And so what we're going to do, following Easter, we're going to launch this for a while. See if it works. See if we can help people who don't know who Jesus is, or who aren't able to attend on a weekend, maybe have a time where they get to get hear about Jesus. That's one of... The new wells, but that's not the only well. I mean, like that, for many, it was like, oh, that's cool. And some of you are like, I'm going to go to that. And some of you are like, I'll never go to that. Uh, but this is for lots of people. So let me show you, because this is more about not just Rapid City. There's more places that need wells. So I thought I would show you a map. After a lot of prayer, a lot of research, a lot of conversations, we put together a list a list of locations in our region that based on population base and the amount of churches in these locations, they need another church or a church in the first place. And so I know some of you are familiar with these places. Um, hopefully uh, you're familiar with the South Dakota places. Uh, Lead, Custer. So uh, th those places need another or a church to show people who Jesus is. We think actually in 2020, we can put lead and maybe even Custer after that. Uh, some of you are familiar with some of these other places. Uh, you, you've, you've totally tuned me out, and all you can see is that. You're like, was that, is that a typo? Like someone just, David was in the mood to type out Cowboy Church. Uh, some of you are familiar with this, but uh, if you don't know this, it's a little bit of my world too. Um, across the nation is sweeping a bit of a movement of Cowboy Churches. Uh, churches that are put up, that pay attention, that there is a group of people that the church hasn't paid attention to. And so a cowboy church is going to get started. In fact, there's already um, some people planning on starting it, and they're in motion. They're, they're, it's, it's not going to be a Fountain Springs church, but we think financially we can help them get going because they need to help get going. Some of you, frankly, and I don't mean this mean, this is all positive, you need to leave this church and go to that church because you're like, you love country music. 
And I'm proud of you for that. It's going to be somewhere across probably in Wyoming, just across the border. I'll give you more details as they play out. But can, can we just admit that all churches aren't the same and that's not a bad thing? You might even be wondering, like, you look at this and like, are they all going to be fountain springs and look and be? No, they, make, they, they could be locations where they see this sermon or it could be a completely different everything. We just want to help them get going. Uh, one, Salt Lake City. There's already a pastor and their family who have decided they're going to move and go there. Uh, even Fountain Springs families have decided, hey, I think we're going to go with you. If you know Pastor Steve, he's going to lead that. And, and some of you are like, but, there's, but there's, there's lots of Mormons there. I know. We know. And there needs to be a church who will show them who Jesus is. This is a, a list that could change over time. We could add or even take away. But I wanted to show you that we have got to be a church because of where we are located that thinks beyond ourselves. Our goal has never been as a church, let's see how big we can get as a church. I think it's a dumb conversation to talk about how big or small a church is. The better conversation is how many people in that area don't know who Jesus is. That's what matters. And so we're going to do something about it. But we need to have another conversation. You see, what you have learned in life probably is a lesson I want to teach you or remind you of. If you've ever decided, hey, I want to run my money different, I want to do a budget, anytime you put a budget together, I find it very depressing. You know why? Because I have to cut things out. Hate it. You look at the budget, and you're like, we've got to make this a better budget. Rarely is, hey, guess what? Tons of money to spend. Can't wait. Typically, you're cutting stuff out. If you ever want to get healthy, and all of a sudden, you're like, well, I'm going to be on a, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to, I'm going to be just this can be so healthy, and this is going to be awesome, I feel so good. Well, eventually, you're going to have a mean trainer like I've got who's going to say, hey, you should eat different. Be like, why? See, when you want to be healthy and good, and if you want to operate in life, do you not have this grown-up lesson, this grown-up lesson that begins to teach you something about life? Well, the same applies as well. Let me, let me show you. Digging new wells means you have to leave old wells. This is how this works. But you and I don't like it. This is not a hint. I'm not leaving the church. Some of you are like, what not? No, I, this is a life lesson. This is where if you, if you want to dig in the right place, you often have to hand off something or abandon it. It stinks. It, let, me, let me give you an example in the Bible. Uh, I, you don't need to look this up. If you want to, it's Genesis chapter 26. I'm not going to even show you slides of it because I'm going to hop around all the place. I just want to read something to you, and I think it's going to land, and you're going to understand exactly what I'm saying. I want to describe life to you. Here we go. This is Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Some of you are like, no, that doesn't sound like life whatsoever. Well, let me get to the good part. I mean, the bad part. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Other, parts, other versions of the Bible say they were jealous. I don't know if you've ever had a jealous person in your life. They drain you like a vampire. It's horrible. So... So all the wells that his father's servants had dug at the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines, filled them all up. 
Out of their jealousy, they went to all of his wells and filled them up, put dirt, dug dirt, threw it down, and literally said, we hate your guts. That's more like life. You with me now? You're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Someone comes into your good life, things are going well, and they just throw dirt on it. Wells you dug, time and energy you spent on. Maybe it was culture, maybe it was just an accident, maybe it was a person's intention. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. Now this says, he went and opened the wells. That to us, like, oh, that sounds neat. But he used like a bulldozer or something. No. It took months to reopen those wells. He gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. That's awesome. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, that water's ours. I mean, do you just, you see how, he's like, no, it's, this water is yours? So he named it a name that basically uh, said, this is horrible. Then they dug another well, but then other people quarreled about that one, so he had to leave that one. He moved on from there and dug another well. Does this now sound like life? Well, you're like, man alive, leave me alone. Uh, verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba. Uh, verse 25, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and then he pitched his tent, and there the servants dug another well. <laughs> See, that's life, where you work hard, you spend time, you sacrifice, and then someone or something, or time passes, and that well doesn't work like it should have. And unfortunately, for centuries, churches have been digging wells, showing people who Jesus is, and as soon as the well dried up, as soon as culture shifted, as soon as bad leadership happened, the well didn't have water anymore, and the church just stared at the well and did nothing. If you've ever been a part of a church that closed. Most of us have been a part of a town where the church just shut its doors, maybe sold the building, and it was done. And I don't mean to be mean, but I think think God wants everyone and anyone to know him. And a lot of the times that that doesn't happen is because you and I have a tendency to get emotionally attached to the wells that we dig. We name them. We put a lot of work, sacrifice. It's a life lesson you got to learn because you will not dig new wells if you can't leave some. You just won't. So let me talk to you about some changes that are happening amongst us as a church. So let's talk about shift. Does it freak some of you out right now? I'll get to it. Just hold on. If you don't know this, uh, years ago, a guy named Pastor Joe and I were in a van on our way to Chicago, and, and Joe began to share with me his heart about helping people, showing them who Jesus is through helping fix their vehicles. That dream that he had, that God gave him, uh, became a part of our church, and we started a ministry as a church called Shift Garage, where folks financially who weren't capable of just going to a regular shop could come to the church, I know that sounds weird, come to the church, come to our own garage, and we would repair their vehicle for cost or even sometimes less than that. It's been incredible. It's been so incredible that we, Fountain Springs Church, stand in its way. Because it's a ministry of us, a church, they can't get grants. Lots of people who don't like church but love the idea of Shift Garage are like, I don't know if I want to, I, what's, I don't know what to do. 
So let me tell you something that we've done. We've taken Shift Garage outside of Fountain Springs Church. It's no longer an official part of Fountain Springs Church. It's its own nonprofit so that it can get a lot more partners, a lot more people involved, and help people in a lot better ways. And so financially, we are investing in them. All the tools, everything, we gifted to Shift. We're like, you can have it. Have all of it. Some of you are like, well, of course you No, we could have sold it. We gave it to them, and then we have a plan over, over a certain amount of time to, be, to help it financially get it going, get going, get some more partners, and that then will allow us as a church to not only help support Shift, but get involved in other things to where it's operating, doing awesome things, and we continue to go on. It's not necessarily abandoning a well, but handing it off. It's pretty cool. So then, then we as a church can invest in a new well that we're calling Kids in Crisis. In our community, this has hit a place that is horrible. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. I will tell you that basic numbers say there's approximately 400 foster kids in Pennington County, and there's approximately 100 foster homes. If you do the math, you understand that that's not good. It has gotten so bad that oftentimes kids are pulled from their homes in the middle of the night because mom and dad do something they shouldn't, and they are put into an office space, and they sleep in the office all night. I'm not saying that every one of us needs to be a foster parent, but I'm saying every one of us could be a part of helping fix this. If it tugs at your heart, you're saying, you know what, this is a new well to dig. I'm glad you're thinking that. Let me show you a meeting I want you to go to. We have set up a meeting to try to draw as many people as possible to come here. By the way, if you go to this, you are not automatically signed up to become a foster parent. Some of you thought that. You're like, oh, this is a trick. It's not a trick. It's not a ploy. It's informational. I want you to be able to come to this. If you have questions, we're going to have a panel discussion. We're inviting other organizations in our area to come in, and we're going to have an intelligent, mature conversation about what role does the church have for kids in crisis. By doing what we're doing with shift, it allows us to do this. To dig a new well, you have to leave an old well. Let's talk about another facet of our church. Easter at the Civic Center. Don't throw anything. Some of you just looked at me. I'm just going to talk to you right here. Um, Easter at the Civic Center has been one of the most incredible moments I have ever experienced as a pastor. If you don't know the backstory of Easter at the Civic Center, some would think, oh, that was an opportunity for, for us to reach more people. That was a part of it, but it also was a way for us to change who we were. At the time that we launched Easter at the Civic Center, we weren't the best of churches. We needed to change our DNA and make sure that we actually did value anyone and everyone, and that meant we needed to go outside of our building for a while because there was a belief at that time that you only cared about those inside of your building. So we launched Easter at the Civic Center. It's been going incredible, but i got to tell you a trend that we're seeing. We seem to be drawing the same people year after year after year, and they're not continuing to come and be a part of the church. It's become, for lack of better words, a show for some folks. And so we need to do something a bit different. Now, I know many of you, you might have given your life to Jesus at the Civic Center. And if you want to know the weight that this change, what uh, it feels like, I'm going to tell you that when this decision was made, when God and I had conversations in my home, I wept. 
but I refuse to get emotionally connected to something in such a way that I keep people from knowing who Jesus is. And I hope you want the same. Now there's a light, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Not too far. We've been doing Christmas at our locations. We've been doing Christmas at our locations, Easter at the Civic Center. You need to know that the folks attending Christmas has almost matched those who attend the Civic Center. In fact, there are more people deciding to follow Jesus at Christmas than at Easter. God is actually using our locations more than the Civic Center right now. So we need to do Easter at our locations. And so that's what we're going to do this Easter. Easter is actually, shockingly, not too far away. But instead of inviting folks to Easter at the Civic Center, I just re- recommend you not do that, uh, invite them to one of the locations. And we think we can reach people better and actually have a relationship with them rather than just inviting them to a show. Now, some of you are like, will we ever go back to the Civic Center? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know everything that God wants. I just know right now it's time to dig a new well. If you're wondering what is in front of us, let me show you our greatest threat as a church. An unwillingness to dig new well. For those of you right now where this is churning, and maybe you're mad at me, that's fine, I can take it. Maybe you're just sad. Maybe you're saying no. Maybe you think our heart as a church has changed. No, it hasn't. I'm telling you, as a fourth-generation pastor in a row, I have seen churches close their doors. And I know a lot of people, well, Fountain Springs Church has a lot of people. Oh, our doors can close quick. If we don't dig new wells, who are the people that don't know who Jesus is right now? That if you and I would dig new wells, we can introduce them to Jesus. So I'm going to tell you, as the leader of this church, This is our greatest threat. If your emotions are stirred up, I understand that. But it doesn't change that we need to dig new wells. So what do we do? Like, how's this play out? Let me tell you some basic basic ways to live this out. How to actually pick a shovel up. (laughs) Refuse to hold on to our methods. Methods change. You know, there used to be a day, this will shock you. You had to go to a wall in your home to make a phone call. Some of you are like, those were the good days. <laughs> some of you don't even know what I'm doing, but. I know some of you are like, yeah, and cell phones are of the devil. And I'm just telling you how we talk to each other has changed. You can hate it or you can leverage it. And I'm telling you, methods are often not something that God has made holy. So be careful in life. But just because it's the way you've been doing it, and it's the way it's been done, be careful that you don't actually marry a method and say this is the only way to do it. Don't forget, cowboy church. Let me, let me tell you one more, though. Perhaps more important. Refuse to let go of our mission. If you want to, well, what's... Some of you hate change. You're like, oh... Our mission is not changing. I can tell you still, there's over 50,000 people nearby who don't know who Jesus is, and that still matters to this church. But now we're looking beyond not just our Black Hills region, 
but states that surround us that are full of thousands upon thousands of people who don't know who Jesus is. Refuse to let go of the mission. There are already families right now deciding to move to go to Salt Lake City. And some of you are going to go to other cities. And you're like, we've got to move so that there can be a church there that shows people who Jesus is. We've got to be that kind of people. Let me show you from the book of wisdom a great way to see this. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. It's in your power to help people. It's in your power because... I don't know what you think about God, but when you decide to follow Jesus, he fills you with his spirit and gives you his power. So if you love Jesus and you follow Jesus, you have the opportunity, you have the power to do good in someone's life. I've given you something that I want you to know is very specific. If you're like, okay, now what, now what, now what, now what? Here is my whole agenda in sharing everything I just shared with you. I wanted to give you a prayer list. That's what I wanted to do. The weeks to follow, I'm going to talk about what it looks like for you and I to actually pick up a shovel and let's go after this, what that looks like. But what's, what's your application right now? What are you supposed to do right now? I want, maybe you have to go rewatch the sermon and, and take notes or whatever, go to the app, whatever. But, but I want you to know, I just gave you a prayer list. No matter what you do with it, whether you move somewhere or you help do whatever, I want you to begin to pray. You take those locations, those places. You begin to pray how to help kids in crisis. Come on. We've got to start praying. A Monday night church service for people who are working and and crazy busy on the weekend. Begin praying. Whether you like it, love it, or hate it, my request is that you begin praying. That's what I wanted to give you was a prayer list. The next couple weekends, I'll talk to you about how to get involved. So let's pray. God, God, we believe, we believe you love us. But God, not just us, not just those of us hearing this and listening. God, I believe, we believe you love anyone and everyone. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would put on our hearts specific wells you want dug. That you would begin to convict each one of us. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's something in rapid. Maybe it's something beyond. But God, would you begin to do a work in our own hearts? Lord, I pray for those that do not have a, a good well nearby. Or would you begin to open their hearts for us to be able to show them who you are? God, I pray that you will do something with a Monday night church service. God, would you do something with this crisis we're seeing in kids' lives? Would you... Would you do something, whatever way you want to use us, but God, would you do something? And God, those locations, those cities, those towns, God, would you make yourself known? Thank you for letting us be a part of it, however we get to be a part of it, God. We love you so much. We're grateful for this opportunity. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.